This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. If you want to open your Bibles or just listen to Genesis, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Um, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in, all the f- and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That's all you need from that. Before I get into this morning, actually, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Sorry, I've, just got, I've got about 14 things running through my head at the same time. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled The Power of Love. The Power of Love. Now, if you think I'm talking about that because it's nearly Valentine's Day, it is a good thought, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> Everything that you know about love and every concept that you have about love, I would really encourage for you to put it on the back burner today. I want you to come in with a clean slate because unfortunately what's ended up happening is our concept of love has been very polluted because of our exposure to the world and the world's view of love. Two out of three songs talk about love this and love that and love the rest of it and I understand all that but there is a biblical interpretation of what love is which might be very different to perhaps the way that we would define it. And I can tell you it's very different to the way that the world defines it. So my encouragement to you this morning would be, come in with a clean slate and just hear some stuff, okay? Then I've got to tell you something else. I've got all these precursors. This is why I have to do it in two weeks. There's the Logos and the Rhema. Let me just say this because I want to make sure that this is very, very clear. The Logos is always important, vital, foundational to everything, okay? We never get away from the Logos. We never deviate from the Logos. The Logos is always there to give us the safety of side rails. If ever you do something that's outside of the word of God, that is your red flag to sit and say, get back because you're off limits here, okay? The thing about Logos is as fundamental as it is and as foundational as it is, it is here as an invitation to relationship. And if we stop at Logos and we don't engage in relationship, we lose reality and we lose life. And part of the challenge that we have in the Christian church right at the moment is that we have a lot of people who are teaching Logos, but it never translates into relationship. So people live from a form of godliness, but there's no power. People have an intellectual understanding of who God is, but they've never related and have never engaged with God. If we don't... engage with God and we don't know how to relate to God, the problem with it is I get stuck in the information, but I never have life. My Christianity becomes dry and unexciting. The reason that so many people are turning away from traditional churches in this day and age is because you have nothing to offer but information. Information is an option that's available to me, but a lot of other motivational speakers and other people have got more information. So then I can choose. The thing about it is, if I offer you a relationship with Christ, that's different. Christianity is all about a relationship with God. It's getting back to the fundamentals. 
When God created man, it was because he loved man and wanted to relate to him and for man to relate to God. That's the basis and the foundation of everything. So it's in that context that I, I, I want to talk about these things. So many years ago, men used to believe that the earth was the center of the world. They believed that the earth was everything and, and all the planets and all the stars and the sun and everything else, that basically the whole universe rotated around the earth. It was their context for things. The challenge with it was, because their context was wrong, they ended up in a situation where they had more questions than answers. The problem with it was there was a sense of frustration and unfulfillment because the thing is they couldn't make sense of what was going on in, in, in its existence. We couldn't put two together because things never used to add up. But then they had a wonderful man called Copernicus who one day discovered, actually, I'm sorry to have to break the news to all of you, but the earth is not the center of the universe. It's actually the sun. And that changed everything. When they got the correct context, all of a sudden, it introduced them to discoveries and expansion that they hadn't known before. All of a sudden, things began to make sense when they had a look at science. So then they began to realize, okay, now I understand why we have things called day and night. I know where it comes from. I know what caused that because I had the correct context. All of a sudden, they began to realize, well, now I realize why we have longer days and shorter days and longer nights and shorter nights, because there's a seasonality to things, and things are because everything began to take on context, because all of a sudden, things had changed, and we realized the fact that because it was grounded and rooted in something which was truthful, the context opened discoveries and learnings and growth and expansion in ways that they never had outside of that. The challenge that we have right now is that we have a world system that says you are so fantastic and that you are so special that we need to introduce you to something called a humanist ideology, which means you are the center of your world. Yeah. And so what we do is we take people from the possibilities of expansion and the possibilities of who God created them to be, and we take them into a small little area called my life. And I start to explore my life from the perspective of who I am and what I'm all about and how I feel and how I think and how my emotions are. And all of a sudden, I start coming up with all kinds of ideas, all kinds of definitions, all kinds of explorations and, 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 and purposes for my life that are so small and they detached from truth. Yeah. The invitation that God always extends to us is this. You're not, the you're not the center of the world. There's something much bigger than that. And if you can regroup your life and you can recalibrate your life and if you can take yourself and your eyes outside of yourself and you recognize the fact that actually I'm revolving around the sun, it'll give you new context. And when you get new context, it introduces you to new discoveries and expansion. I didn't realize those things used to existed for me because I was so caught up in my little world. I was so caught up in my understanding, in my reality, in my truth, in my feelings. I never even realized that there was a possibility of something called a sun. But when I see the sun, all of a sudden the context begins to change. And when the context changes, my life is introduced to the possibility of expansion. God wants to do some stuff in your life. And the reason he invites you to lift your eyes off yourself and off your problems and off your definition and off your emotions and off how you feel and off how you think is because when you see the sun, things will happen. 
You will see possibilities that you're not going to see as long as you feel as though you're the center of the world. He found themselves in that place and they began to explore that. And all of a sudden, there was something else that happened because when they realized and they recognized the fact that the earth was rotating around the sun, they discovered something more. They discovered the fact that they were part of a galaxy, a universe. They were part of something that was so much bigger than who they are. All of a sudden, earth took on a, a, a perspective which was different because it wasn't just about us. We recognized myself in the context of something much greater. God is always wanting to change your perspective. You see, my perspective is very small. My perspective is all about my interpretation of what's happening right now. The thing about it is God's perspective is so much bigger than mine. What I can gain from revelation, I will never get from knowledge, from understanding. The reason it's important is because God says, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. What is he saying? You not seeing what I can see. You're stuck in a small perspective. But if you get my perspective, what will end up happening is the possibilities of your life will suddenly become clear to you and you'll begin to see some stuff that you couldn't see before because your perspective has changed. The challenge with it is we find ourselves very often in situations where we're like Abraham and we're stuck at home with our family, in our father's house, in our country, in our reality with everything that we've defined and how we see it and how we think things should be. And God comes into our reality and he says, you know what? I have something for you. I have an invitation. Would you like to go out and be blessed? Do you want to experience you and me writing a story together? Here's the invitation. The invitation is to step out of what's comfortable, to step out of what you've defined, to step out of how you feel, to step beyond what you think, and to step into a place where I'm moving because I trust you. What ends up in that place is he's inviting us into something new. You're not going to know what it looks like. You may not know how it's going to happen. You may not even feel comfortable on the journey. But I go there because I'm part of something bigger than who I am. I go there because you can see some stuff that I can't see. I go there because you spoke to me. You don't move because he didn't speak. You wait. That's where we get into presumption. We want to take things that we assume, or not even assume, we want to take things that characterized who God is, but we want to give our dreams and our definition and interpretation through that. And so we step out and we ask for him to bless it. And then we end up in trouble. He didn't move. He didn't move. He waited. And God said, okay, that's when we stop. And that's when you listen. Because when God speaks, God extends an invitation. And when God extends an invitation, it does something far more dramatic to you because it's not just about seeding your information or filling your intellect. Sometimes that can't even partner with God because I don't understand how it's going to happen. He's not interested in whether you understand it. He's interested whether you respond to the invitation. Will you respond to the invitation? 
He says something, and what ends up happening is Abraham picks up everything, everything, and he moves. Why did he move? Because I know he spoke to me. Because I know he's told me what's going to happen. Because I know he said to me, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He said something to me. And it wasn't that I'm moving because suddenly I understand it and suddenly I recognize it and suddenly I've put a whole plan together of how things are going to happen. I'm moving because it's so alive on the inside of me that it's overwhelmed me. And because it's so compelling and so dynamic and so living on the inside of me, I've got this thing on the inside that came because he spoke. I'm moving because of conviction. I'm moving because of confidence. I'm moving because of trust. Things happen in our lives when we partner with God. Things happen in our lives when God comes into our story. What God wants us to know is this. I love you so much. I want to journey through life. And I want to do it so intimately, I'm going to be in your skin. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read out the message. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You want to find your purpose? Get with him. You want to find your purpose? Stop looking at yourself and your issues and your problems and how you feel. Look at him. There is an opportunity and there are possibilities available to you that are so much bigger and so much more expansive than a small insular life. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. I've got it here somewhere. Hold on, it's coming. Hey, here it is. Jesus is speaking about the kingdom. He says, thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. What he's saying is this, he's talking about the kingdom. And what he's saying is God wants to meet with you. The thing about it is this, he has a way that he wants to do it. If you want to partner with God, we have to understand that he has ways and we need to understand what his ways are so that we can partner with him. We don't get to define how God works. Okay, here's the shocker. You don't get to discover God. He reveals himself to you. You're going to go and try and discover God because you know what you're going to do. You're going to try and use your brain to understand him. And I'm going to go and I'm going to, and it's fine. And I'll talk about this in a minute. So just hold tight, hold tight. Because I want to get into the scriptures because I want to discover him. And that's fine. It's going to tell you about him. It'll give you facts about him. It'll give you information about him. It'll tell you stories about other people who actually met with him and what happened in their lives and how it affected and translated into great things. It'll speak about all of those things, but you won't find him. What he's just said is there. You don't discover me. I reveal myself to you. You want to know what revelation knowledge is about? Revelation is God taking who he is and opening your, door, your eyes of understanding yeah. so that you have an introduction. Yes. Revelation is about an introduction to God, but revelation has nothing to do with what you think. It has everything to do with your spirit man. Yeah. 
everything to do with what's alive on the inside here. The problem with it is I'm trained and I know and I'm comfortable and I'm experienced living from my head and my understanding and my knowledge. The problem with it is I'm not all that comfortable living from spirit. It's new and it's foreign and it's different, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's wrong. The important thing that you need to know is this. God is on a mission to reveal himself to you. He's not trying to hide himself. What he is saying is, people who think they can get to me through their understanding are going to be disappointed. I'm spirit. And when you come to me, I need to come to him and be able to connect with him spiritually. So I did a little exercise this week. And so what I decided to do was, and I did this because I wanted to make a point. So I spoke to the staff this week and I said, okay, what I would like for you to do is I want you to send me three characteristics that you would associate with me. Personality traits or character traits. And so they sent me a list of all of these things. Now, I have to give you context to this. Understand this. I pay, I, I sign their paycheck. <laughs> so because of that, it's kind of a little slanted, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> So I appreciate that. So it's, I, I wish this was all there was, but there isn't. There's, there's some other things that go with it, unfortunately, but we're still working on it. But these are some of the things that people put up. Now, what's interesting about this is this. These didn't come out of a vacuum. As a result of them having had relationship with me and spent time with me and having had done certain things with me, all of them came out with an understanding of, if I was to sit and say this was who he was, I would say he was this, I would say he was that. And so we got all of these things that they put down. The thing about it is, I love that list. It looks really good. <laughs> and the list is so nice. And the thing is, as great as the list may be, I may actually have fulfilled all of those things. And although in my life and in my actions, perhaps I don't deviate from those things, but I'm not the list. Yeah. I'm not the yeah, list. Oh, yeah. You see, the problem with it is this. The challenge is we want to get into the word of God so that we can understand it. But really what we're doing is we're living vicariously through somebody else's story. Yes. You can take that list and you can explore it and you can go and you can go and find the definitions about what each of those words mean. And you can go and sit and talk to the people and say, tell us the history about it and where did it come from and why would you come up with that? And you can put all of this stuff together and all of those things are wonderful and all of those things are good and all of those things are going to add color to your foundation. But it's not me. Yes. It's not me. The thing about it is, what that's going to do is it's going to give you some facts but you only get relationship if you meet me. What ends up happening too often in Christianity is we get so caught up in the word, in, in, in the written word that we never discover the living word. Yes. We get so caught up in what's written on the page, but we've never met him. Yeah. We've never met him. Mm, hold on. I'd, I'm probably going to run over a little bit today. Sorry. But if I do, you know, it just, it is what it is. Um, John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. It says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. 
And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You search the scriptures. He's not saying it's bad. He didn't say it's a bad thing to do. He said, okay, that's good. I'm glad you got into that. I'm glad you've opened the gate. I'm glad you're on your way. You search the scriptures. And you know what? The scriptures that you're searching testify of me. It's a testimony. Every time you read Abraham's story, every time you read Moses' story, every time you read about Lot, every time you read about Joshua, every time you read about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every time you're reading about what they did and where they went and how they were changed and how they were transformed, it's a testimony. You're reading about the testimonies of me. And the stories that others wrote as they came into relationship with me and what it looked like. But don't stay there. You're in search of life. You're in search of life that keeps on giving. Don't stop in the testimony. Come to me that you may have life. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you life. He didn't say go to the scriptures and find a testimony. He said, come to me, come to me. Nothing wrong with the Logos unless it doesn't lead you to the, the, unless the written word doesn't lead you to the living word. It's got to take you to the living word. Because if it doesn't, it takes you to the list. And you can read the list. And you can understand the list. And you can give a lot of definition and evidence as to who God is. But the problem with it is you never get an invitation. You see, we experience God when we enter into a relationship with him. Because it's in the relationship that he meets us and he says, Abraham, pack up. We're going somewhere. I've got a promise for you. You don't get a personal promise from the list. Personal promises come from him. I've got to get with him. Because when I get with him, I get a personal promise. And that includes everything that's available generically through the word of God. You don't get born again just because you know the technical know-how. You get born again when you come to him. Romans chapter 8, verses 1, and then I'm going to go into 4 and 5. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Anybody there? Hallelujah. Okay. Who do not walk according to the flesh or the brain, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, their spiritual being, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. What he's saying is this, I have created an opportunity, I've created a corridor for me to be able to take who I am and to be able to reveal it to you, and I'm going to do it through spirit. What he's saying is, don't default in your spiritual walk to going to your understanding to try and understand me. You can get the testimony there. There's nothing wrong with searching the scriptures. The problem with it is, I only get to get revelation I only get to be exposed and see him for who he is when I get spirit to spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. And those engage him must engage him in spirit. 
good gracious. Okay. Um, there's something. Okay. Jesus came. And in all that Jesus did and all that Jesus spoke about, the culmination of Jesus' ministry was when he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, there was fulfillment of a covenant that existed. It is finished. But it was the introduction of a new covenant. There was a change that took place at that time. There was a transition that took place at that time. And because of that, people had to make a decision about what it is that they wanted to do. People had to make a decision about where they wanted to find themselves. Because all of a sudden, in the transition, transition by its very nature means something that used to exist is passing away. And something new is coming in. And so it demanded something different of them. The irony of everything was the people who were the most spiritual of that day, the religious leaders, were the people who never made the transition. Why? Because you know what? They were so wrapped up in the Torah, the scriptures, in their understanding of what it was, that they were never prepared to embrace what Jesus offered them. They were so caught in the law that when grace presented itself, they couldn't make the transition. They were so stuck in where they were because they had all the answers to everything that they didn't recognize the value of grace. So they stayed stuck in law and they never stepped into grace. He came to do something so fundamental and change everything in its entirety. And what he was saying to people was, you have to understand the way forward is not from what you understand from the letter, not what you understand from the law, not what you're getting purely from your readings. You have to understand that the way forward is through relationship. I didn't die for nothing. I died to come and live within you. And because of that, there's a big transition that's taken place. It used to be you had to come to the temple and you would come and you would make sacrifices for the sins that you had committed to a God that dwelt in the Holy of Holies. But it's changed. And all of a sudden, now he finds himself in a temple made of stone where every day for me is a living sacrifice to him because of the way that I live. There's a transition that took place. Now it's no longer about a God who is removed and distant from me, a God who's up there somewhere. It's about a God who sits and says, I value you and you are so important to me. The word is going to come in and change flesh. The word wants to cohabit with you, wants to move into that space called your life. It wants to come in and redefine and reestablish and give you recalibration of who you are, introduce you to newness, introduce you to invitations and expansion. Are you prepared to journey with him? We have to make a decision. But that happens not because of what we know. It happens because of who he is. It's relationally motivated. It's all about relationship with him. He's doing some stuff. He's changing some stuff. He's making himself available and accessible to us. And in that space, he's wanting to bring change. The biggest challenge that we have is that people had all the answers. 
The challenge that we had was that we had a religious group of people who were so knowledgeable about everything in the Torah, everything about the Old Covenant, that they didn't recognize the New Covenant when it presented itself. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't see him. Why? Because they were so stuck in what they understood and the information and the knowledge that they had. It created a safe place called certainty. We were so certain about how everything was and the way that it's always been and the way that it's always looked and what the interpretation was that we established very solid boundaries to our life. We had all the answers. And Jesus came in and he said, are you sure? Would you like to take another look at all those answers? But they weren't open to it. They weren't open to it. So what ended up happening is they missed the invitation. We can get so caught up and we can get so certain in all the answers that we miss what he's doing. Anytime you have the Logos without the Rhema, you're in trouble. Every time we take the Logos over the Rhema, we're in trouble because we're taking a letter instead of relationship. Well, you don't understand. You, you can't just throw that out. I'm not throwing it out. But I will tell you what Jesus said. The whole purpose for Jesus coming was this. What, what he was sitting saying was, I will put my laws in your heart and I will write them on your mind. The very essence of who you are. You know what he was saying? You used to read the commandments and what you should and shouldn't do and how you should live. What he was saying was, I'm introducing you to relationship because I'm going to move into that space. And in that space, when you recognize who I am, there is not a disconnect between who I am and my character and my personality. I don't need for you to necessarily have to live. I don't want you to live by a law. What I want you to do is I want you to live by relationship. Don't think it doesn't have pertinence and relevance and don't think it isn't significant in our lives. It is more significant. The thing about it is it brings things like conviction. Well, if people don't know that they're not supposed to lie, maybe they will. They won't because he's written it on my heart. It's in my mind. I've given you something new. I've put myself on the inside of that. And the minute I say something untruthful, I have a conviction. What happened? The life spoke. It said, you shouldn't be doing that. So I'm ending up on a journey where I'm becoming more and more aware of what's alive on the inside of me and what's happening in that space because I recognize that his life is there. It's alive and vibrant and breathing. There were 120 people and they went to a little upper room. And they're sitting in that space with everything that they've known up until that point. And all of a sudden, God arrives. And when God arrives, all kinds of weird stuff starts happening. <laughs> There's like fire stuff happening. People speaking in tongues. All kinds of stuff starts going on. But we don't have any frame of reference for it. Yeah. This is something new. This is something different. We, we, this is not something which came from our past. It's nothing that we can sit and we can say, well, fine, give me scripture and verse for it. Yeah. Something new was happening. Yeah. That the thing that was happening was from God. Yes. And the thing is, they knew that it was truth. Yeah. 
Because although they may not have understood it, it overwhelmed them. It overwhelmed them. And it's like, I can't tell you anything else other than this is what it did to me. And in that space, something significant happened. There was a transition that moved. And all of a sudden, they began to realize, I don't have to be the person that's around here that has all the answers. Maybe there's a place where I can embrace the idea that the questions are more important than the answers. Maybe I don't have to know everything. Maybe there's a place where I sit and say, God, speak to me. Show me something. As long as you live with the answers, you're going to live with the status quo. Because I know how it works, and I know how it goes, and I know how it behaves, and I know when it behaves, and I know what it does. But when I come with the questions, then I approach it from a different perspective. I approach it from the perspective of, seeking you shall find. What are you seeking? More of the same, or give me more of you? Because when I seek more of the same, I introduce a lifestyle called boring. Yesterday has defined tomorrow. No change. When I speak about living in that space where the questions are more important than the answers, don't for a moment sit and say, think that I'm, not suge- I'm suggesting that you deviate from Scripture and go off and do your own thing. I'm not talking about weirdness. I'm talking about the reality that God is on the inside of you. I'm speaking about the truth that the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, is something that's come in and made you brand new, that he's taken up residence in that space, that he wants to invite you into opportunities and expansion and newness that you may have never known before. And although it may be different to what your past is, and although it might be different to what your your denomination teaches, and perhaps it's even different to the teaching that you've had before, don't get stuck in all the answers. Open up yourself. To exploration. Speak to me. Seek and you shall find. Too many Christians aren't seeking because we're so stuck in the answers. We're so certain of how everything should be and how it should behave and how it should act. And we're so stuck in our certainty, but our Christianity is so dry. So dry. What made people great and what made people in the Bible was not because they knew a lot of stuff. The people who knew a lot of stuff were the people who went to Jesus by night and said, can you just please share with me what's kind of happening over here? Because I've been with all those people for a long time. We have all the answers. We know what's going on. But you got something that we don't have. But the people who got into the Bible were people who had discovered who he was and they lived from relationship with him. If you listen to it, every one of them, they met at some point through some channel, whether it was the Old Testament, through the angel or through a prophet, or whether God presented himself to them. But the invitation was always there that came from relationship. Mary, blessed are you. You have no concept what's coming. Don't get stuck in the answers, Mary. Don't get stuck in the answers. <laughs> Leave it open to the questions. But will you? Moses, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I know that you think you understand everything about all of that stuff. But I'll tell you what, Moses. If you'll stick with me, we could do some stuff. Oh, by the way, take your shoes off. <laughs> 
Why? Because we're talking to you. You're talking to God. Show some reverence. But I want you to know something in the space. I'm giving you something because I'm inviting you into expansion. I'm inviting you to to discover yourself in relationship with me. I'm inviting you to discover yourself in the context of the fact that life is not all about you and start to look at the sun and all of a sudden things will begin to happen in your life. Not because I just choose for them to happen, not because I'm operating out of presumption, but because I hear the invitation. Do you hear the invitation? Things happened and people got into the Bible because of their story with God. These were all people that got in because I knew him. I knew him. We want to live from the information that we have because the information defines a playing field called certainty. And certainty is very comfortable because in certainty I can live with security. And in my secure playground, what's such an advantage is that I get to take control. I realize what it says, and so now this is my plan to make it happen. But it doesn't always work out. But when I live from relationship, he just asks one question. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Trust in the Lord with all your and lean not to your. We're going to journey together. Don't go to your understanding. Don't go to that place of certainty. Don't go to that place of having all the answers. Come to me with the questions. Because when you come to me with the questions, I can invite you into and I can reveal to you what's new. When you come to me with the questions, we can get rid of the boundaries and we can move them away and we can eradicate them and we can make your life bigger and more expansive. When you come to me with all of the questions, it offers the opportunity for you and I begin to write a story together. The reason that he wants you to move from this place, from certainty to vulnerability, is because in the place called vulnerability, it's got a definition. In that space, what offers us a sense of security is not the fact that I can control it, not the fact that I have knowledge about it, not the fact that I have all the information about it. What offers me the sense of security in that space is the fact that I've fallen in love with him. Oh, you're touching on that love stuff. Okay, now here's the redefinition. So listen. I've fallen in love with you. Love is not a feeling. It'll affect your feelings, but love's not a feeling. The fruit of it is your feelings. Love is a person. Love is a person called Jesus Christ. And because he is a person, when love arrives, I don't get to define what the list looks like. The list is pre-existing. When he walks into that space and love walks in, love is coming to take off who he is and to inform and change us as a result of his nature. That's where the world's got it all wrong. 
We think love is all about accepting anybody for anything that they want to do because that's love. Lost it. It's not a subjective reality. It's a person called Christ. When you're introduced to Christ, you're introduced to truth. When you're introduced to Christ, the invitation is lift up your heads and stop looking at your own life. Find a place where you can start to rotate around the sun. And when you begin to move around the sun, you'll find all of a sudden I have clarity and I have understanding. And all of a sudden the pieces of my life start to make sense. And I realize why this goes over here. And I realize why that makes sense over there. And the confusion begins to dissipate because all of a sudden truth is moving into that space. Love is a person. It's not any other definition. But the reason that he wants you to fall in love with him is this. It's going to leave you vulnerable. But do you trust me? Yeah. You see, the reason he wants you to fall in love with him is because love is a heart condition, oh, yeah. not a head condition. Yes. 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 Love is something that, touch, that touches and affects the very essence of your being. What I believe. Belief. The etymology of belief is to be, it comes from belief. Be in love. What he's saying is, I'm not really interested in your thoughts. I'm not interested in your ideas. If you want to run off and do that stuff, it's okay. Let's get back to the essence here. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the fundamentals of who you are. Let's speak about the DNA of who you are. What I want to do is I want for you to come to that place where you fall in love with who I am. I want you to take your beliefs and allow me to inform those things. Because when he informs those things, it changes my life. There are things that you can get from love that you cannot get from thinking. There are things that you get from relationship that you will never get from information. You never got born again because of what you thought. It has nothing to do with what you think. It has everything to do with your heart and what you believe. Faith has nothing to do with what you think. In fact, if anything, your thoughts are an enemy to faith. Faith has everything to do with what do you believe. Trust has everything to do with what do you believe. Patience has everything to do with the essence of your beliefs. You try and give yourself patience because of what you think and see how far you get. There are some things that are born in our lives. There are things that come from him. There are things that are relationship are relational. There are things that are birth and are the product of life. And you don't get that through your information. That's why the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I can know all you need me to know about patience. It's irrelevant because it never touched my heart. I want you to fall in love with me. Because when you fall in love with me, what will end up happening is the vulnerability of the essence of your life becomes open and available to my influence. And when love moves into that place and love begins to give a redefinition to the DNA of my being, I begin to change. The God journey is a love journey. I made it on time. Not bad. The God journey is a love journey. I love the word of God. The word of God is fabulous. 
never take away from it at all. But when you approach the Word of God, never approach it from your understanding and your intellect. Approach it in relationship with the Holy Spirit. One is going to give you information, Logos. The other one is going to reveal who He is to you. <clears throat> one stacks up a whole bunch of knowledge and information in your head. The other one will move into that space and begin to give redefinition to who you are. Suddenly when I think differently because the eyes of my understanding have been opened, suddenly because the invitation that he extends to me resonates on the inside of me, draws me and compels me to follow him despite the fact that everything else is in contradiction to it. These are things that come as a result of a rev relationship with him. These are things that translate and, and, and are the product of falling in love with him. Yeah. Amen. Love is practical. Love is a person. Love is designed to redefine us. But in that redefinition, it opens the door to possibilities that I never get anywhere else. Life with God is a story called an adventure. Don't put on the brakes by thinking you have all the answers. Live in that place where you allow the Holy Spirit to come into those spaces of yours where you're asking him questions. Questions are good. Questions speak of hunger. Questions speak of the desire for growth, newness, expansion. We're secure in the answers, but opportunity exists in the questions. Can we all stand? I, I want to pray over you this morning. What I'd like you to do is just open your hands, close your eyes, and I want you to get in your mind's eye a picture of you and God. Anywhere. And I want you to see yourself in that space as we pray. I want you to see him walking to you. I want you to see him putting his hand on you. And after I've prayed, I want you to take a minute and I want you to hear what he says to you. We praise you, Father, for who you are. I thank you that you are the I am that I am. Everything is in you. You're the source of life, of truth. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives in a dramatic way. I pray, Holy Spirit, 
that you rattle our foundations. Shake off those places where we feel so secure in all the answers. And I thank you that you'll meet us at that place of questioning. I thank you that you stand at the door and knock. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will lead and guide people and take them to that place where they discover that intimate space, that place of relationship between you and them. Reveal to them the secret place where they get to meet with you and they get to hear your voice. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you love us so very much that you desire to be a part of our lives intimately. I thank you that everywhere we go, you go with us. I want to thank you for that love that changes us, touches us, and transforms us. I thank you for that love that opens the eyes of our understanding. And as we discover new aspects of who you are, because you reveal it to us, I want to thank you. Those are invitations to transform us. I pray that this week as people journey and do things that they do, and as they're writing the story of their life, I want to thank you that you're always looking for opportunities to be a part of that. Let them be sensitive to your voice and your promptings, your invitations. We take a moment now, Holy Spirit, and we invite you just to speak to us about anything that's on our heart. I thank you, Father, for a week of blessing, a week of goodness, a week of exploration, a week of expansion, a week of newness. I thank you for your protection of every person here. I thank you that we live in health and wellness. I thank you for your provision. I thank you that we get to bask in and enjoy your goodness every day. We bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.